0: Come on, so range anxiety. Das Auto Podcast mit 30 Jahre auf Automotive Experience und Danke, Frau Nina mit 99 Luftballons. Wow. Oh, hard reset. Oh, thank God. I went and had my first jab this morning, didn't I? I think they injected me with the wrong medicine i think i actually got the german version of the pfizer and i just had to give myself a hard reset then a reboot and now i'm back Thank goodness. God knows what I was talking about there. But we're back with range anxiety today and there's been some big things apart from my uh, vaccination. There's been some other big things that have been happening in the world of cars and things. Yeah, look, I'm a little bit flat after, after that. Bit of a sore arm, bit of a sore head. That might have had something to do with the fact that I tried to pacify myself the evening before with a few beverages to take away the stress of a needle. You know, what men, needles, just weak. I'm one of those ones. But yeah, look, not so bad. Go out and get yourself done. My um, 5G's much better. Uh, this EpiCast will stream like you've never seen now. And yeah, as long as you can log back into your head with all of your passwords after you've been injected with all of the chips you're right so let's just see what the new martin brings to the table uh, today at range anxiety well few things a couple of things this week that were reasonably funny i suppose you could say or well, not so funny there was some poor bloke uh in the in my local area adelaide south australia some poor guy with an old classic falcon from 1971 and uh oh, maybe a 70 or a 72 but it was an old falcon a performance car 351 clevo and um he managed to have a bit of a mishap on the streets i mean i don't know what he's doing and i'm not going to put you know pass judgment on how he was driving the car or why he was driving the car in a manner that he potentially was but uh, long story short the car ended up in two pieces that's right the front of it it, it had a it made love to a tree uh, what speed not sure but the front ended up uh over there and the body ended up uh maybe around 50 feet away or you know whatever that is in meters uh over there and it was not like a nice clean break And, of course, this went viral on the internet. You know, should it have been a good example of one of those cars, which it probably was. I mean, I didn't know much about it. You know, it was worth up to several hundred thousand dollars. So it was a shame to see one of these old girls sort of wrecked and and buggered by, you know, in this kind of accident. But, boy, didn't it create a storm. You know, oh, must have been a cut and shut. must have been a dodgy repair job. You know, those old cars don't break in two like that. Old cars are better than new cars you know all of that sort of crap that you hear and of course I sort of stirred the hornet's nest a little didn't I (laughs) I stuck my nose in there and said well what do you expect from a car that's you know got 55 to 60 year old design and um, is 50 years old itself Uh, yeah cars were not strong were not safe and this is what happens. And, you know, leave the poor guy alone. He probably just slipped up at not more than normal traffic speed. Oh my goodness. Didn't that, didn't I get a berating for that? I just can't believe how stupid some people are. If they see something looks big and heavy, they assume it's big and heavy. If something looks big and strong, they assume it's big and strong what they don't understand is that a lot has changed in materials manufacturing design and construction over the past 50 years and thank god that it has in fact don't thank god thank engineers and material scientists that it has because old cars were weak as piss they were weak terribly weak and more than often uh, killed you in minor accidents that you would walk away from without a scratch these days but what was interesting is it wasn't young people that were kicking into me. It was people my my own age group that were absolutely flogging me, telling you I know nothing at all about cars. Look, they may be right. You know, I'm not going to argue that. I know nothing about cars. I should keep my nose out of it. You're some sort of idiot. Um, I had people questioning that. Obviously, gone back and looked at my profile. I had people questioning my sexuality uh, because I drive a Tesla. No, I'm not one of those Tesla drivers that uh, wears yoga pants without underwear when they drive. I have seen one pull up uh, next to me at a supercharger once. Old Model S. Us Model 3 guys are way too cool for that. Right, Model 3 owners? Um, But yeah, people don't seem to grasp that old cars were pretty weak and pretty slow too. And they base all of these opinions without ever having looked at one, worked on one, or driven one, where I have done all three of those things in some depth even with that particular model apart from work on i've driven a beautiful XYGTHO ho phase three and i've driven several other not so beautiful examples and i've had a close look at them and i've even written magazine articles on them that have been exported all around the world you know like i, I drove the a uh, boss of ford south africa had a, a gdho phase three that ended up back in south australia and we wrote about myself and photographer bowden did a piece on it for collectible classic car magazine in the uk so yeah and i'd had to drive around a bit for that and it was good providing you understood what it was it was only about a 40 or 35 year old car at that stage but it was still an old car so you don't get in these things or you shouldn't get in old cars and think of them as being a match for anything new because they're not you know they were cheaply built mass-produced cars in the day up against cheaply built mass-produced cars now and they're not as fast they're not as strong in some ways sometimes can be better looking i suppose depending on how old your eyes are but don't kid yourself old cars primarily are and primarily were junk which is why when you wanna make an old car go fast, you have to re-engineer basically every part of the stupid thing, you know, from chassis, uh, chassis stiffening, welding in cages, cutting in tubs so you can fit a proper sized wheel under them. Oh, just everything's gotta be changed apart from the grill and the headlights. Normally, and even the headlights don't work, they're normally just dull yellow things that would be lucky to um, cut a hole through even the mildest of dark evenings. So yeah, go easy on me, I'm only telling the truth, and if the truth hurts, well, suck it up. I do know what I'm talking about with this kind of stuff, and even if you don't believe me, get online and have a look at some of the crash test videos, where they, I think uh, the um, uh, American Safety Board did a crash test for their 50th anniversary between a 59 Chev and a 2009 Chev, and they did a frontal, uh, a frontal offset impact test, um, and ran the two basically head on into each other with the offset and yeah uh, the guy or girl or Civen, the crash dummy th- th- would have walked out of the 2009 model probably and everyone would have been dead uh, inside the collapsing foldable seat back braking steering shaft punched through you um old chevy and yeah that's not surprising People used to get thrown out of cars and, and thrown through windscreens and, and impaled by various bits of the interior many, many, many times over the years. And it wasn't just American cars. There were all sorts of, I think, the old Austin A30. That had a steering shaft that used to come right out of the front of the car, you know, behind the front bar. So if you actually ran into something in an Austin A30, it put a javelin straight through your chest. Yeah, and cars were stupid old things back then and best driven carefully at slow speeds okay and i know all the old old porsche 911 owners they hate me already but yeah yeah i'm to you guys and girls i used to have many of them you know they'll all be sitting there saying you "No, know, porsches were beautifully engineered and they were safe well that was when the front end uh, wasn't overtaking the rear end and all four wheels had brakes at work which is a very rare even today on most of the old girls that you see around okay so what else is news now i've got the old car brigade trying to kill me and i've spoken a bit of german uh send your email that away um what else has happened well as from july 19 there is new testing being introduced in the sunny state of california home of hot rodders home of basically the the cultural heartland of vehicle modification hot rodden you know and now it's going to become the uh probably home of emissions controls and outlawing of modified vehicles. I mean, California have always had the toughest uh, emission standards for many years. CARB, the Californian Air Resources Board, are, uh, you know, uh, they're a tough organization. And with their new testing rounds they've introduced uh, for ECU tampering, they're going to provide some really interesting challenges for the aftermarket. So how does it work well details are a little bit sketchy for me at this stage like i said i've just had the jab my head's all over the place i've got a bit of headache and a sore arm but from what i've read what happens is that every time your eight-year-old vehicle goes for its yearly smog test um it will be in fact uh plugged into via the obd2 port and it will be uh analyzed to see if the ecu has been tampered with or anything has been changed now this also applies to four-year-old vehicles which are being sold in the state or up to four-year-old vehicles or four-year-old and over or something that are being sold in the state of California so essentially as of today your 2017 model are backwards is if you either sell it or take it to the smog they're going to plug in and see if you've modified your ECU or not this is going to be very very interesting isn't it first up how do they tell Well, it's actually not that difficult to tell if an ECU has been tampered with. Uh, That's right. Because what CARB do is they go around and they hold out their hand to all of the major manufacturers and say, we would like um, a list of all of your software versions to put in our database. And they will have a very big database. Like a lot of um, tuning programs have this currently, like the SCT Advantage software. It has a copy of every single program. Uh, downloaded from a Ford and it references against that. So what will happen is you'll plug into your, say, um, 2010 Pontiac G8. It will ID the car via the VIN or the smog tester will ID the car via the VIN. It will read the header. It'll do an IDENT uh, on the ECU and it'll read the header, the software version, the hardware version, and the calibration details, a simple header. And then it will then look cross-reference back, because a header's just a header. It's like the first few lines of identification. It means nothing, right? You you know, anyone that knows what they're doing modifies an ECU and leaves the header alone. Right, so that's, that's not it. But once it's identified the vehicle properly, it w- will then read... It will then read the contents of the ECU. I'm actually sitting in the middle of a storm at the moment. That's what you can hear now is a hundred kilometer an hour, 60 mile an hour winds belting past me. It's actually a bit nasty up here today in Adelaide Hills. Bit nasty that, there I go doing Richie Bonneau again. But it will then read the ECU, take its two or three minute read, and it will do a bite by byte comparison against the factory version of the software. And if you've changed a byte and one thing's been changed it won't just check some of them it which just basically is a mathematical formula to determine um, uh, like like an overall numeric identification it'll actually compare them bite by bite and once each bite has been compared if there's any differences they'll come up and you'll be issued with a canary a do not drive get this car set back to standard so This is going to be very, very interesting, and it's already ruffling a lot of feathers. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. That's right. I make my living or part of it out of uh, ECU tuning, and I don't think it's such a bad thing that there are laws being brought into place against illegal tampering with ECUs. It's about time, because what it will do is those that are professionals in the industry will develop a better product and have it certified. More on that later. But it will clean up all of the backyarders, a good solid bunch of fines and criminal charges will certainly neaten up the ECU tuning industry just more than a little bit and clear out about 90% of the players and to me it couldn't happen uh, for me not to me don't happen to me Um, it couldn't happen soon enough will this happen in Australia Uh, yeah it'll just take some time. You know, we've maybe got another five years, but we're living on borrowed time right now if you're not doing the right thing when you tune a motor vehicle. So what is the way around this? Well, there, are, there's the right way and there's the wrong way. The wrong way is, uh, from what I've seen suggested already, is that people will have a um, spare ECU uh, that's totally stock that they'll plug into the car for smog testing and then they'll have their... A crackle tune on their original ECU, so haha, ha, I've got it around them. But yeah, that's fine if you're just doing like a dumb stage one, or you can just flash programs in and out of the ECU, unless, of course, the, the car are going to read the flash counter. I don't know how far into it they're going to go, but don't put it past them. That's all right, you just got to buy another ECU for your car. Oh, okay, another three or four or ten thousand dollars in some instance, so you can enjoy some more pops and bangs and. and 20 kilowatts 40 horsepower you know yeah nah i don't know (laughs) um another way of doing it is uh, the right way and the right way means gaining a carb exemption order an eo certification which means that you have actually smog tested your ecu program and it is compliant and it is a safe for the environment upgrade now let me tell you this having got Uh, through various of the Australian design rules and mission tests with products and software over the years. I can tell you now, any program that gets certified, that gives a performance increase and gets certified is a bloody good program because it's not easy to do. It's not a matter of just paying some money and running the test because if you've been mucking around with anything at all, really, you're gonna fail okay so anything to do with cold start anything to do with uh, cat light off anything to do with idle ignition timing idle speed idle airflow idle torque commo- you see what i'm see what i'm getting at here um you know anyone that's trying to calibrate for bigger injectors you might as well just forget about it now because you will not pass anyone that's trying to calibrate for aftermarket camshafts just forget about it you will not pass uh aftermarket exhaust systems headers forget about it you will not pass right so there are going to be some there are going to be a lot of changes made here there's going to be a lot of things that are very very different um and it's going to change the landscape and the landscape of uh the consumer for example, not as many people, when a tune has got to go through emissions, it costs many thousands of dollars, and that has to be spread out over the cost of each and every tune. So tuning your car in an emission-complied world will go up from, say, $900 to $3,000 or $2,000. You know, that's just an arbitrary number that I'm picking because you'll be paying for a lot of testing, and knowing that you have a legal result may well be worth it. So a lot of uh, dead shits that just wanted pops and bangs and nothing else I'm not going to tune their cars anymore. And I say, good, because they'll be replaced by a new breed of sensible, uh, informed, and intelligent uh, vehicle modifiers and owners uh, that do the right thing and will pay for the proper result. So it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like giving the toilet a good solid bleaching and a flush, and getting rid of some of these gronks from the automotive industry. So I'm looking forward to it uh, coming into Australia because the strong will survive and the weak will perish. What is not uh, quite as good is, is the other side of the automotive landscape changing. And that will be that your favorite software and programs, all of the things that you tune with if you aren't like a hex hacker, are going to lose a lot of their functionality because i cannot see how in any way shape or form all of these big software companies are going to allow people to play with check engine lights and diagnostic parameters which carb are specifically setting out to to stop you doing and so what will happen is that carb will more than likely go to these big players and say uh do a new software update that goes out rolls out to everyone turn all of this shit off if you want to keep selling your product. I mean, I've seen it done already. It happened in the States years ago with some of the diesel tuners. They're people, everyone, for some obscure reason, wants to rip out their DPF and add blue the moment they see it on a diesel truck. And, you know, some people like me will just say, no, grow up, it's there for a reason. We don't want to be breathing in that shit, and it doesn't hurt performance. But a lot of people were hell-bent on a mission just to rip the stuff out. And, like, like they still are these days with land crews and things. Get rid of the DPFs. golly gosh um stupid good way of throwing your warranty in the bin um yeah so uh, there were some fines handed out to some of the big boys in the software game and they promptly removed all that functionality from the software so while you can tune a 2019 f truck off the shelf with off-the-shelf software what you cannot do is actively turn those emission systems off and good it's actually made people uh be a bit smarter with that i mean look there's still people doing it under the radar they will get hunted down and fined and charged and prosecuted out of business but you know again it breeds a more sensible result um for these vehicles and one that's safer for you and your kids to be on the road with because at the end of the day we don't want to be killing people like those nuff nuff coal rollers who, who think the belching masses of shitty diesel burnt black crap out of their cars is, um, cool. You know, they reckon it's cool to go coal rolling and creating big clouds of shit covering pedestrians, other road users. And yeah, I suppose it is cool, isn't it? It's that cool that you are the dickheads that have ruined the fun to everybody else and put your tuners out of business. So uh thank you very much, coal rollers. You are, after all, a super intelligent bunch of people. Listen to that. Anyone know what that is? That's a VTEC, yo! Yeah, it's a VTEC. It's on the VTEC. What a beautiful. I think it was an EK Civic. I do like those little things. They are good. If you're gonna have if you're gonna have some piston powered rubbish, alright a good nine and a half thousand RPM VTech donks, one one hell of a way uh, of enjoying it cheap well once upon a time cheap easy affordable reliable so yeah that's kind of where we're at for today it's a common get ready all you tuners home tuners close up shop before you get a find that big that you do lose your home and then you'll be a street tuner actually yeah that used to be my handle on forums maybe uh maybe i knew this was coming all along um of course, uh, fanboys like me, EV nerds, it's not so much of a problem. We are tending to push more and more focus of our development towards EV parts and technologies, and why not? A, it's the future, and B, there's no tailpipe, right? There's nothing there to pollute the atmosphere. And stop rabbiting on about kids in bloody lithium mines and cobalt mines and and, 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 and batteries that can never be disposed of and massive landfill. Lithium's recyclable, you numpties. In fact, if you've got a power wall at home or something similar, you can bet that that started out as an automotive battery at some stage because once they get a bit worn out and clagged up, all of the crap gets recycled to run your home so you can get on the internet and you can complain to me about electric cars. So look, the industry landscape is changing. The people that will be tuning, your cars will not be the same people they once were. They will be more intelligent and more informed, better at tuning, and they won't be gronks hanging around, putting up Instagram posts, trying to look cool and showering themselves with money, right? Because that shit's going to die. Thank goodness. Let's get back to this with being a profession rather than uh, tuning cars, being a profession rather than being uh, filled full of cowboys that any unqualified asshat can pick up a keyboard and proclaim to do. I mean, I've seen them all. Um, uh, Athletics teachers from high schools uh, that didn't really know what a car was through to um, one guy was a, a religious nut that was a pastor, that I knew that became a... Nothing wrong with that, you know. Um He obviously prayed to keep the rods in, but he became a, a tuner as well. So anyone from any walk of life can, be, can become a tuner. As we used to say, have a laptop, will tune. But yep, she's all about to change. And for the better, I think. So if you see me post something about this on Facebook, it's not... Here's that asshole Donnan trying to kick shit into our industry because he's a fanboy of the electric crap that's polluting the environment and landfill and kid African kids. No, think, oh, Martin's looking forward to a more professional and informed industry where there are better results for everyone and there are less gronks wanting crackle tunes. Pop, 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 check light. Your days are numbered, mofos. Thanks for listening to Range Anxiety, and I hope you enjoyed that one. Now, uh, auf Deutsch Sie Bitte und... Oh, I've done it again. See you later. Bye-bye.